prefer these days in which we're living, all right? These are good times, and uh, uh, I thank God for, for this day and for what this season means. Now, again, next Sunday, we're celebrating our 20th year of ministry together, and uh, I'm overwhelmed at the thought of that. There are moments in time still where I feel like I just got here. I just got here, and there are other days where I feel like I've been here all of my life, forever, you know, and, uh, and yet I'm thankful for Jesus, for who he is, and for what he's done. Over the last several weeks, we've been involved in a variety of messages, loosely linked together. We could call them a series of messages, and we've considered this theme of do it again. We started on All-American Sunday over the 4th of July weekend, and we looked at the beginning of a nation and made the parallel of how that would equate to a new beginning in someone's life, even a new beginning in the life of a church. We, we talked about the importance of the opportunities God brings our way and seizing those moments. Last week, we talked about the importance of investing in the lives of others, and we put that message to practice last week as we let all those children in, onto this property, and uh, so many of you served them. That was excellent. And then today, we're going to visit a passage that talks about those things that were present, not just when we began as a church here, but those things that were present when the Apostle Paul started a church in a city called Corinth. And this is one of those foundational passages that I studied prior to coming to our church. I've talked through here a few times with our church family. It's a fresh message for today, but it's the kind of passage you have to come back to from time to time so you, didn't get, you don't get too far removed from your purpose as a church family. And so if you're able this morning, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we read this passage together. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we're going to be, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save or except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching it was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I want you to go back near the beginning of verse 1 where the Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, when I came to you, when I came to you, and we come around a season like this, so many of those memories in my mind go back to those times when we came. Those things that brought us have kept us and compel us today to move forward. And so I want us to think of this passage where Paul speaks of when I came to you. Our Father, thank you for this day and for the privilege we have of being in this place. I pray that you'd use our time in the word, encourage hearts. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm asked quite often, what were things like when the church got started? And the fact of the matter is, there have been a lot of changes since those early days. We've met in a lot of different places. We had Bible studies, of course, in our living room, and those were great times. We then had the opportunity of having services in the Harding Community Center in Carlsbad, and we even had services in the Best Western Hotel there off of the Five and Oceanside Boulevard. We then were able to get the building next door. That was different again. And, and then we were so thankful for the day when God allowed us to move in this property. And I remember that first Sunday, I thought, boy, it'll take us forever and a day to fill a room like this up. And we packed it out the first Sunday and had to go to two services and more. And we've seen a lot of changes in that regard. 
We've had a few changes, as you saw earlier, when it came to our baptism services. We, uh, we have a built-in baptismal, as most of you know, a few miles west from here. And so we were blessed in those early days when someone got saved, we'd all celebrate and we'd run right down to the beach and man, we would dunk them in style. It was a great, a great way. On a few occasions, we rented a baptistry in, uh, from a church in Carlsbad. And uh, Mickey, I think you were baptized. I was just thinking that. Good to have the Rodriguez's back with us for today. And uh, we rented a church there. And, and uh, then, as you saw again earlier, in our, in our lower building, we had in the parking lot portable baptistries and we were able to use that baptacuzzi down there and and uh, that's great there have been a lot of changes over the years no doubt about it and i am thankful to god for the changes but i'm most thankful for what has remained the same at coastline i'm thankful for those things that have not changed we know that we worship the same lord and uh, we we read from the same bible we share the same gospel we have the same love one for another and it's hard to replicate the vibe from a church plan it is very exciting but i want you to know that all the best things that were present at coastline baptist church week one they are here with us today and when i look back i can't help but get a little nostalgic and and uh, get filled with gratitude, you know, the years walk on and you see those little girls I had are now bigger and I see that some of you have gotten older. Mike Frieda really got older, you know, and, uh, uh, and then uh, some of us just got a little older, but, but those years go by and you begin to look back and really that's a story of a big part of, of my life and a big part of, of our lives and so I see it that way and, and I kind of feel that that's what's on the heart of the Apostle Paul is he's talking to this church family and and he's saying, in effect, guys, let me tell you what happened when I came to you, what it was all about, what brought me, what, what led me to serve, what, what kept me faithful. I want you to know what happened when I came to you. See, the Apostle Paul knew something very important for a leader in a church to know. He knew that we all have a tendency, a propensity to forget what it's all about, what it's all about. In fact, from one end of the Bible to the other, we find tons of commands from God to remember. Why is that? Because God knows our frame, and God knows that we're prone to forgetfulness. In Psalm 105 and verse 5, the Bible says, Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. Friends, nothing sets you up better for a move forward than a quick glimpse backward. A reminder of why it is that you're to be on the move in the first place. And you can never really truly say, Lord, would you do it again if you don't know what God has already done. And so as we come to this passage today, we're going to go back in time to the occasion when God started the church in Corinth through Paul. And as we do, we're going to hear Paul speak of several things. First of all, and your notes may be helpful for you today. I want us to begin by looking here and seeing the declaration, the declaration. Now, let's look again at verse one in our text. The Bible says this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. And then he said this, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What was Paul's declaration? Well, he said in verse one, he was declaring unto them the testimony of God that refers to the word of God he was he was preaching the Bible if you would and that would of course include the gospel message now Paul did not take the time in these verses uh, to tell us what all his teaching and preaching ministry uh, involved but we can go back in the book of Acts where the Bible records the beginning of this church in Corinth and we can discern very easily what it was that occupied the heart of Paul if you have your Bible, why don't you flip over to Acts chapter 18. Perhaps the verses are there in your notes. And, and in verses 1 through 5 of Acts 18, we kind of get the very earliest story of how the church in Corinth unfolded. 
The Bible says there, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and he came to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Now I'm going to read on, but we find Paul comes into Corinth, he meets this couple, and the Bible tells us they'd come from Rome, and we know at that time the Jews were being driven out of Rome. This is a part of a group that history calls the, the dispersed ones, or the dispersion, and, and Paul made it his custom when he went into a new town, he, he preached the gospel to everybody, but he would start in, in synagogues, and Jewish people go to synagogues, and so he's meeting Jewish people. Look down to verse 5 in Acts chapter 18. The Bible says, and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. That was the heart of his message. He was preaching the truth of Jesus. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 11, the Bible says this, and he continued there in Corinth a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. The Apostle Paul was very careful to let all of us know that when he went to Corinth, there was a need that took him there. And it was a need for the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. There was one message more than any other that was on his heart. It was the message of Jesus and his work of redemption. It was the fact that Jesus is, is love in person. He spoke of the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord. And friends, that's the message that brought our family to this area. I'm often asked, what's the backstory? What brought you guys here? And I've got a lot to say about that, but at our very core, there was a sense that people need the Lord, and that's what brought us, and that's what's kept us here. It's interesting that we have about 400,000 churches in America, and yet our national spiritual quotient is diminishing. We know that about 76.9, they say, churches close in the United States every week. That means every week a pastor closes a sermon, he closes in prayer, he says in Jesus' name, amen, and the church leaves, the doors close behind him, never to be opened again. 76.9 churches every week in America close their doors. About 4,000 churches will shut down this year. And I can't help but think that a big part of that is because collectively we've gotten away from that one message that stands above all the others, the imperative of opening the Word of God and revealing the words of life and sharing with people who Jesus is and what that means to them and for them. Paul used very specific words in this passage in 1 Corinthians he told them, he said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom. And when Paul used those words, he was referring to something that his audience would have understood. When, when he said, I didn't come with excellency of speech, he was alluding to the approach that maybe the Roman politicians would. They were known for their, their eloquence, their oratory skills, their, their excellency of speech or of wisdom. We could think of the Greek philosophers who, who, would, who would talk of all of their various philosophies. And Paul said, you know, that's not how it worked with me at all. I wasn't trusting to come to you to woo you with the way I speak or my ability ability to hold an audience I didn't come with some new philosophy I'm not here to dazzle you with my wisdom Paul said there was one testimony above all others that I knew that you needed and that was the testimony of God that's what I brought to you first Corinthians 1 the Bible says for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it's the power of God now, I'm not going to make any claims of being a powerful preacher, but I'm happy to tell you today that when I'm preaching the Bible, it's a powerful message because of the source of the message. It's a powerful message. 
Romans 1 says this in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Friends, I want you to know today the testimony of God, the preaching of Jesus Christ, the power of Scripture. It can save a soul. It can salvage a marriage. It can bring a wandering uh, a loved one back to where they need to be. It can help those people sensing uh, lostness and emptiness. It, it changes everything. There's power in the message of Jesus Christ. Like the Apostle Paul, when he came, when we came, there were two no buildings or programs or ministries, but we had a Bible. We didn't have a lot of things, but we had the most important thing. And that community center with just a few chairs set up, I, I was able to open the Word of God and to teach the Bible, teaching a young pastor. The Apostle Paul told Timothy this. He said, Timothy, preach the Word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He said, Timothy, preach the Word and give that sound doctrine, which means taught truth. He said, Timothy, you'll never go wrong if you bring the Bible to the congregation you lead. For 20 years now, I've intentionally opened each sermon by saying something like this, would you take your copy of God's Word and join me in turning? And that's another way of me saying I acknowledge I have nothing of interest to say to any of you. But when we gather together around the Word of God and I'm allowed to read it and to give the sense, as the Bible says, and cause people to understand what happens is we get into God's Word and that power can work in us and it can work through us. The preaching of God's Word changes lives. You see Paul's declaration. But as we move on in this passage, we see his determination. Let's make our way into verse 2. The Apostle Paul said here, for I determined, there it is, there's his determination. He said, I determined not to know anything among, among you save or accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul was saying, in, 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 in essence, he said, we determined not to begin this church on the personality of a leader. We determined to do our best to just keep it all about Jesus. I want you to know today, there is a most important person at Coastline Baptist Church. It's not me and it's not you. The, the most important at Coastline Baptist Church is its founder, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Bad things happen to churches when we want to make it about any one person or any group of people. And Paul had to remind this church of that very thing. In 1 Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul said this to this church. He said, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul and... I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And Paul asked him this. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul said, church, don't divide over personalities. It's not most important who your favorite Bible teacher is. If you like Paul or Apollos or Cephas, he said, none of that is important. The most important is Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for you. I've tried really hard since our beginning as a church to keep us from becoming man-centered, issue-oriented, and involved in that mindset that says we're better than them for this reason or that. You know, my prayer has just been that we would be faithful to Jesus Christ and serve Him with all of our hearts. It seems unusual that that would be a novel approach in these days. I, I remember as we came and we were meeting in that community center for a time and and uh, I began to understand that it would be very helpful to have a place where we could have seven-day-a-week ministry as we do now. And uh, my heart was 
always long-term. We moved a lot when I was growing up, and I always prayed, God, when you plant me in a church, I hope you'll let me stay there my whole life, or as I say it, until the kids in the nursery grow up and ask me to leave because I get too old. That's normally how that goes, okay? But I say, God, let me stay a long time. And so I began to think, how can we begin to take steps? And I'd heard that some churches had successfully used industrial space, and so I found a church like that, and I dropped in, and I don't remember the name of the church, I believe it was a Methodist church or maybe a Lutheran church, but I saw that church. I stopped by, I walked in, and there was a man inside, and I introduced myself, and he told me he was the pastor of that church. His name was Pastor McDonald. He was very kind to me, very helpful, and and I told him, I said, you know, listen, we're just getting started as a church, but I've been told that moving into an industrial space is kind of a good interim step for a church family. It gives them a place to grow and and, and a place from which they can launch out and do other things. And and so I just wanted to ask you, how's that working for you and what's the process like? And and he began to tell me their story and all the hoops you got to jump through with the city and all of these things. And, And as we were talking, he asked me, I'll never forget, it was an odd conversation. He asked me, he said, who called you to this area? And I said, well, I believe Jesus did. He's like, well, yeah, I know that, but specifically, who called you to this area? And uh, I, I said, well, I, you know, I, I believe it was, it was Jesus. He said, no, what, what denominational leader assigned you to this region? And I said, well, we're, we're not a denominational church. We, we believe Bible doctrine, and, but we're not really part of a, of a denomination. He said, well, who do you answer to? Where are your headquarters? And I remember I said, I guess we answer to Jesus and our headquarters are in heaven. And both of us kind of got a kick out of it at this point. We realized we just weren't talking the same language, you know. So we laughed about that. But, you know, there was a distinction in that conversation that I think is very important. Our, Our concern has never been to conform to what others are doing or to survey the community to see what it is that those who don't know the Lord or are out of fellowship with the Lord would prefer that we would do. We want to do what Jesus would have us to do. Now, we have a congregational form of church government, but our prayer ultimately is that we would come together around the Word of God, find our agreement therein, and do those things that are pleasing to Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, Paul wrote this, he said, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence is greater than prominence. Prominence would be number one. Preeminence means he's the only name on the list. He's the one and only. It's all about Jesus. Now, we're not perfect at anything, but I want you to know that our desire when we came as the church was started and our desire at this moment is that we would make much of Jesus Christ. He's what it's all about. Jesus in John 12 said, If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. There's nothing more compelling than a fully devoted, authentic follower of Jesus Christ who lives out their faith and lives out the love of Jesus in their everyday life. Jesus said, you lift me up and you're going to see there's a compelling thing that happens there. That leads us to the final lesson that we glean from Paul in this passage. I want us to see finally today the demonstration. Let's go down to verse 3 in our text and we'll continue. The Apostle Paul said, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration. Okay, so there's the demonstration. He said in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power 
of God. And so Paul says, listen, I wanted the demonstration to be one of power, but I wanted it to be done in a way that no one would ever trace the source of that power back to me. I wanted people to know that it comes from God, from God. I just love the way that Paul, who many consider to be the greatest missionary the church has ever known, that he was comfortable enough to say, you know, folks, in my ministry at times there's been weakness and there's been fear and there's been much trembling. In an unusual way, it really greatly encourages me to know that someone who's so worthy of admiration like the Apostle Paul would say, yeah, I know what it is to be afraid. I know what it is to be anxious. I know what it is to, to tremble, and I can relate to that. I remember when our family got here, man, I was so excited. I lived on adrenaline for those first six months, I'm sure of it. But at the same time, man, my knees were knocking nonstop. In fact, I want you to know every Sunday when I'm getting ready to preach, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to the pulpit. I can't wait to open the word of God. But until I begin preaching, at that point, it generally fades. But until I begin preaching, man, my knees are knocking. My stomach's a little uneasy. Every week, there's, there's a sense of, 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 of un, unease. And, and my prayer would be similar to that of the Apostle Paul. God, would you do a demonstration through our time in the word that would lead people to you? Would there be a power that is evident, that is palpable in this service to Today, and may people know it's the work of God in their lives. Years ago, I chose a life verse. And it's Galatians 2 and verse 20. The Apostle Paul in that verse, he said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Apostle Paul said, you know, I, I have died, I've been crucified with Jesus, but I'm still alive. He said, but it's not me living anymore, I've, I've died to self and now it's Jesus living through me. I'm in the flesh, so to speak, in this earth suit, but I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. I, I want to live a life where Jesus can be seen in me and through me. And friends, that's my prayer as well, and I hope it's our prayer that, that, that we would see power in our lives and power in our families and power in our church. But the only power that can make any difference at all is the power of God. You know, Coastline, I believe we've had a wonderful 20 years. Next week, 20 years. 19 years and 51 weeks. I don't want to be presumptuous, okay? <laughs> We've had a, ha had a good stretch. Did you know we'll never arrive? We'll never reach that stopping place. My, my prayer is that we'd do it again. My prayer is that we'd relaunch in a sense, that, that we would come through a time like this, and rather than just getting nostalgic and just looking backwards, that it would stir us, that it would motivate us to be reminded as to what it was that, that brought this church into being and what it is that has made this church into a church that's blessed and helped the community. I pray that it would motivate us to move forward for the glory of God. Friends, I'm not asking us to trust our past for a pattern, but I am asking us to trust in the Savior who led us and let the past unfold before us. Our faith for the future must be in God and God alone. In Mark's gospel, Jesus said this. He said, have faith in God. And there's no better marching orders for any Christian or any church than to have faith in God. From time to time, I'll meet someone who's been in ministry many years and I'll really enjoy greatly talking to them and I've had quite a few over the years like that I've been able to talk shop with and and yet imagine with me if I were able to meet the apostle Paul and this man who literally changed the world the gospel we can trace it from where we have it today back through the missionary endeavors of the apostle Paul he was the first one to take it to the non-Jewish world back when it was just getting started 
And if I were to say, hey, Paul, I want to talk to you about, about church work. Really, what, what does it take for a church to be started and structured and staffed and to surge forward? And I think Paul would say, well, you have to make sure you have a declaration nailed down. And the declaration is the testimony of God. You need to teach and preach the whole counsel of God. Church isn't a place for men to banter about their opinions or to talk about how they feel about this verse or that. It's a, it's a place to declare the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And then you've got to determine, you've got to make a determination to keep Jesus at the center of it all. It's not about personality. It's not about a group or a clique. It's, it's all about exalting Jesus Christ. And then he said, and there's got to be a demonstration a power that is greater than you, a, a power that is greater than something you can generate on your own. It needs to be a work of the power of God. And the Apostle Paul would teach us, you show me a church that is declaring the teaching and preaching of God's word. And they're determined to keep Jesus at the center of it all. And, and there's, a, there's a display of, of the power of God, the Spirit, doing things in the lives of people that is unexplainable. I think the Apostle Paul would say, you're on the right track right there. If you've heard me say today that we always get this right, you've mistaken my intent. Part of my peculiarities, and I have many. I watch a video like that one, and I see those that are in heaven, and I miss them. I see those sometimes that are away from the Lord, and I grieve over that. And I remember many of the defeats that go before and after the victories that we often look back on. Believe me, I'm keenly aware that we haven't done it right, and I've often said one of the biggest problems at Coastline is the man that stands behind the pulpit and preaches to you every week. You don't have a perfect pastor. You all know that. I'm not saying we always get it right, but I want our church to know again today by way of a reminder, this is our goal. This is our aim. And when we fall short, it wasn't intentional. And when we fall short, it's wrong. And we've got to work to get it right back to where it needs to be. And as we move forward in this future, my prayer is that we'd look back and see this pattern and how it worked, and then we would look forward and say, God, would you please do it again? Help us. God, would you please do it again? Coastline, if you're still listening, say amen. amen. Hear me. Death comes when our memories of the past supersede our hopes for the future. I would never disrespect our past, our heritage, our journey. But the day we get more excited about what's already happened than we do about that which is to come next, we've sealed our own fate. Our demise is already on its way. I think I'm like most of you. I would much rather be in a church that has a bright future than a church that's had a blessed past. But it is possible to be a part of the same church that has had both a blessed past and a bright future. And what helps us to keep that future bright is a heart like the Apostle Paul's where we'll stay in the word, we'll keep lifting up Jesus Christ, and we'll seek for God's power and anointing so that he can work in us and through us in a great way. Listen, let's make sure that that's our heart. We could wonder today, all right then, Pastor, if there's three questions on the test and, and it deals with the, the declaration and the determination and the, and the demonstration, how's our church really doing? Let's go ahead and grade our church. And I would say, let's do something a little bit better than that. The church is comprised of people. And so we're doing no better than we are as individuals. So I want to ask you today, how are you doing? How are you doing? 
Has there been a time in your life when you've been more in the Word than you are now? A time in your life where you've done more to lift up Jesus than you are now? A time in your life where you sense the leadership and direction of God more than you are now? Wouldn't this be a great time, this milestone moment, to say, God, would you do it again? I'm glad I can look over my shoulder and see those moments when you were working in my life and I was growing and I was reading the Bible and it was speaking to me and I was praying and I had no doubt you were here and prayers were being answered. God, I was sharing my faith. People were coming to know you. But, but God, I don't want to just look back. God, would you do it again? This would be a great time for that. Oh, listen, it's great to evaluate a church, but let's never forget who our church is. It's us. Just normal people living life, doing our best to honor the Lord. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could say, God, thank you for that which you've done. God, please keep working through my life. And do it again. Our Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to prepare our hearts for something as meaningful as a 20-year anniversary celebration for a church. God, may we be totally content in you and grateful for what you've done, but God, I pray there'd be a holy dissatisfaction in the sense that we don't just kick back and decide to take it easy when it comes to living for you. God, I pray that you would compel us by your spirit to pray that prayer of God, would you do it again? Help us, Lord, we ask. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I know the Lord, and when you bring it down to something as personal as a personal evaluation, maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I think there probably are some areas in my life that have room for growth. That time in the Word with God, that time just fellowshipping with Jesus and telling others of Him, God really tangibly working in my life, I'd love to see Him do that again. I wonder how many of you would say, you know, Pastor, as we had this reminder today, it was a reminder that I think was not just good for our church in general, but was good for me personally. There was something in this message for me. Are there those like that this morning? Just by a quickly raised hand. Pastor, I think there was something for me in this study today. That's awesome. You may put your hands down. Thank you so much.